Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be considered as a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Welcome back, everyone. It's your host, Adam Childers, here with the podcast Briefly Legal, brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. Well, it's a beautiful May day out there. It's sweltering, actually. It's a bit too hot for uh, my taste, but that's okay because I'm here inside of the crow's nest here in our studio, excited about another episode. And this one is going to be one of particular note because it's going to be a follow-up to uh, an episode that we did, actually episode 23. Uh, we uh, released it back on October 27th of last year. So go back and listen to it if you want some background or just listen in today because we've got some big developments about what we talked about back in October of last year, and that was the repeal of the Durable Power of Attorney form in Oklahoma. Back in October, uh, Maggie Martin from our healthcare group came to talk to us about the fact that there seemingly had been an inadvertent deletion of the ability to execute a durable power of attorney to uh, affect uh, healthcare decisions for loved ones as part of some legislation that was passed at that time. And uh, Maggie did more than just kind of talk about the problem and identify it. Uh, Since that time, she became a part of the legislative fix as she worked with some of our Oklahoma senators to try to to get the right language in place. And lo and behold, that's happened. Uh, As of uh, April 29th, we now have a legislative fix in place that has reinstated that healthcare durable power of attorney. And so it seemed only fitting that uh, we should close the loop on all this and have Maggie come back and talk to us about um, uh, what happened between November of last year and today and uh, what her role has been in it and what it means for uh, Oklahomans out there that might uh, need a durable power of attorney. So Maggie, first, thanks for coming back. Sure. Happy to be here. Always enjoy hanging out in the crow's nest. Well, good. I'm glad. And, you know, it's the first time I'm getting to report that, you know, something that was identified during one of our episodes that we've actually been the catalyst for helping to to fix it. So that's really exciting. And of course, probably not a surprise for um, anyone who is a regular uh, listener to Briefly Legal. Uh, You've probably heard Maggie on several different episodes. She's one of our great lawyers here within the firm, and she's a director in the firm's healthcare practice group. And she served for more than a decade as in-house legal counsel for Integris Health and she now represents healthcare institutions, hospitals, physicians, and hospice facilities in transactional, operational, and regulatory matters. So uh, this is really uh, your bailiwick, Maggie. And so, you know, it didn't surprise me that you identified the problem back in uh, October of last year. But I'm really excited to, to hear about this fix. So so let's kind of reset things here, Maggie. Let's start Let's start at the start. Um, remind everyone again what a durable power of attorney is and, and, and how they are used. 
Sure, happy to do that, Adam. Yes, a durable power of attorney for healthcare specifically is a document that an individual can fill out and complete. Essentially, in that document, you name what's called an agent or another individual to make healthcare decisions for you or on your behalf when you can no longer make those decisions. So, when you become unable to make healthcare decisions because you have lacked capacity or for other reasons, that agent can step in and start making those decisions for you, such as consenting to treatment, making decisions regarding your physicians, um, any type of other transfer of care, things of that sort. The purpose of this document is to essentially ensure that someone can be making decisions for the patient when they don't have the capacity or when they um, are unable to make those. And that's even while the patient is still alive. Right. So this has a big impact, not only just for families who want to look out for their loved ones and, and family members, but it can also impact the healthcare facilities that are relying on those documents being valid and enforceable for helping them make decisions when they might otherwise not have all the relevant information they need to know whose decision it is to make. Correct. Healthcare facilities rely heavily upon these documents to ensure that they have the right person in place making the decisions for the patient, especially when the patient no longer can make those decisions and they're unsure which which person should be making these decisions. Is it this family member or is it that family member? If there's a power of attorney in place with those healthcare powers, then it's very clear to the healthcare facility or to the physician which person is responsible for making those decisions for the patient. No. All that kind of got turned on its head last November, uh, at least that's when the, the change took place. Remind us what was happening at that point in time, and more specifically, what happened to the durable power of attorney that, that kind of led us to needing a fix? Yes, last last year in the last year's legislative session, a new act was passed, which, which was the Uniform Power of Attorney Act, which was great. It, it gave some much needed updates to the power of attorney laws in Oklahoma. However, there was an inadvertent miss there in that it did repeal the health care provisions of the old Durable Power of Attorney Act, leaving Oklahomans with no option to actually execute a power of attorney with health care powers. And that became effective November 1, leaving no option after that date. Exactly, which means that that happened in the legislative session that ended in May of 2021. But because it wasn't an emergency piece of legislation, it went into effect in November. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So since November of last year, uh, there's been serious question marks from patients to healthcare facilities about how to handle this. But I understand that beyond writing about it and identifying about it, and of course, um, coming on to Briefly Legal and talking about it, you took a very proactive role in all this and actually got involved in the legislative fix. Tell us how that came to be. Well, the Oklahoma Hospital Association, which does some significant and wonderful work for our hospitals around the state, partnered with Senator Howard to kind of see how we could really get this back into place. And so I worked with the OHA and Senator Howard on some of the language for this new Healthcare Agent Act that we're discussing today. And it was a very rewarding experience getting to work with the Senator and the Oklahoma Hospital Association to basically ensure that we're improving um, healthcare and options for Oklahomans. And you mentioned what that new legislation is. Now, that is the Oklahoma uh, Healthcare Agent Act, which I understand can be found at 63 OS 
Section 3111.1 at Sequitur. So tell us about that act and, and, and kind of hit the key high points for us, particularly as it relates to the reinstatement of the, of the durable power of attorney. Yeah, so the Healthcare Agent Act uh, essentially reinstates what was removed last year from statutes, but the key elements are that the healthcare power of attorney is activated when the person or the patient, also called the principal, no longer has the capacity to make decisions about their health care. Um, it can also be activated whenever that person determines that it should be activated such that they maybe have a disability or some other situation where they want someone to step in and start acting as their agent right away. But typically, this becomes active when the patient no longer has capacity, and then it remains in effect during the patient's incapacity. And then what kind of decisions can be made, you know, using that uh, power of attorney? Typically, general uh, health care decisions, such as selecting and discharging health care providers, consenting or refusing to care. Um, obviously, all of those decisions have to be made based on the best interests of the patient or based on their values or based on their wishes if they're known to the agent. And in addition, one of the other main powers um, under the Healthcare uh, Agent Act is the ability to sign a DNR consent, which is a do not resuscitate consent. This was in the previous provisions last year, brought back again now because it's so important for this agent to be able to make the patient a DNR if that's necessary or um, required, depending on the patient's situation. Oh, absolutely. I knew that was a, a, a big one we talked about back in episode um, 23. So that, that has been fixed. But what about uh, decisions that the agent might have to make about, you know, life-sustaining decisions like um, withholding uh, nutrition or, you know, decisions regarding hydration. How, how does the act uh, impact those decisions? The Healthcare Agent Act does not address any life-sustaining treatments such as withholding or withdrawing nutrition, hydration. Um, those, any sort of life-sustaining treatment decisions that need to be made are covered under the Oklahoma Advanced Directive Act. So if a patient or an individual wants to ensure that their wishes regarding life-sustaining treatment or any of life care are addressed, they really need to execute an advanced directive. The new healthcare power of attorney doesn't really address life-sustaining treatment, and it was intentional. It, it was an intentional um, drafting decision that it not address end-of-life care. Exactly. So, but you still got the means for handling those issues. It's just not within Correct. this particular act. Um, do, any new forms like the the last go around in terms of the durable power of attorney? The form is very similar. The statute does provide for a form, and from what I understand, the state will likely be issuing a form similar to the one they had previously. For those that are listening that are attorneys, if you have healthcare power of attorney forms that you regularly use, they'll be very similar to what we have here. Um, just check the statute to make sure that they fully comply and review the form that's in the statute. One of the main changes, which is a great benefit, is that this document does no longer has to be notarized. Oh. It still has to be witnessed by two people not related to the patient, but you don't have to obtain a notary on it anymore, which is very helpful, especially if these documents are being executed somewhere where a patient or a person doesn't have access to a notary. So in a nutshell, it sounds like uh, everything that you used to be able to do with the durable power of attorney has been restored. And then there's been a few other changes that have made it perhaps even easier to use than it was prior to this accidental deletion. Correct. Yes. It's it's better and improved and similar version. So. Well, good, good. Now, this kind of begs the question that, you know, we, we had this period of time 
November 1st of 2021 all the way up to, uh, I believe it's April. When did the act uh, take place? April 29th was when Governor Stitt signed it into effect. Okay. Because it was emergency Correct. legislation, it's, it came into effect in April. But that still leaves, a, you know, several months there in 2021 and into 2022 where someone might have been kind of in limbo and done it the wrong way. Is there, does the new act speak at all to, you know, how those are handled? Yes, luckily it does. So the new act states that any uh, healthcare power of attorney that was executed between November 1st of last year and the effective date of the new Healthcare Agent Act, which is April 29th. So any document executed during that time period is valid so long as it complies substantially with the law, with the act currently as it is. So if, if the documents are substantially in compliance, then hospitals and providers can rely upon them and and Patients and families that have executed those documents shouldn't be too concerned about their validity um, and shouldn't have to worry about going out and getting new documents executed. That's got to be a relief when you're already dealing with some pretty heavy, serious uh, family issues. Well, this is all really good news, Maggie, made even better by the fact that we got to hear from, you know, one of the architects of the fix. And and obviously, you know, a a big thanks goes out um, you know, to Senator Howard, and I think also, uh, was that Senator Stinson? Representative Stinson, yes, was also an author on this bill. Very good. So g- glad that they were able to do that and glad that you were able to, you know, partner with the, the good folks of the Oklahoma uh, Hospital Association to make sure that, you know, we could uh, be a part of that solution. So um, this is when I would transition into our get to know your crow section. But of course, you know, Maggie's been here a few times. She's a regular. She We, we, we know quite a bit about her. So we decided in uh, pre-production, let's do something a little bit different. Let's talk current events. And we got to talking about uh, shows that we have in common that we might watch. And turns out, you know, she got some younger ones in the house and, and I'm, I'm an empty nester. So it turns out we're not watching any of the same stuff. So instead we turned our, our vision towards uh, a movie that's coming out soon that I think has some pretty broad appeal. We thought we'd talk about it for a second. I'm very excited. I think you are too about Top Gun making its return uh, with Maverick and All's Glory. I think finally, Mon- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think you even said, are they doing the the premiere today? Maybe I saw something on social media that they're premiering it in London today, and of ah. course the Royals are present. So, well, you know. that's uh, speaking of royalty, you got Tom Cruise, you know, king king of all actors in this movie. I uh, I just need to know though, like when I enjoyed Top Gun, I was. It was always the side characters that that meant more to me. Please tell me, please, does Val Kilmer, a.k.a. the Iceman, does he return? Based on the the trailers I've seen, he's back. Oh, I feel so, I feel so good. In what, in what role? What's he doing? I think he's like the commander of the school or something and brings Maverick in to oh, kind of whip his better. students into shape or something like that. Oh, that's like fantastic. That. Now, now, I also know that Goose is not in it, but his son is? I think he's one of the flight students that Maverick instructs or something like that. Okay. Well, I can't remember the actor's name playing. I just remember that uh, my daughter uh, described him as a hottie. Uh, so uh, he, he must be well cast for it. All I know is it, there's a couple of components to the old 80s movie that I hope gets reprised somehow in this new version. Um, one is I, I need to hear the song uh, Danger Zone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that just, and, and two, I hope this was an indelible part of your uh, movie experience as well. Um, and that is the shirtless volleyball game. Oh, of course. <laughs> Always. 
<laughs> where 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 Tom Cruise, who's probably somewhere in the range of five foot three, yeah. seemingly spiked every single ball that came his way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can only hope that happens again. But I, so I take it. Will you? Are you? Are you going to go and, oh, and yeah. see it? I plan to go. Want to go with my family. My son really loves the idea of potentially being a pilot one day. And he watched the original with us not too long ago, kind of in, in anticipation of this coming out. So we'll definitely go see it as a family. And well, I'm glad to see it's educational because yeah. I'm sure that Top Gun and uh, this next movie are, are very educational, very true oh, to life so realistic. in their depiction. <laughs> yes. So uh, I'm glad to, that, that you're teaching him well. So, well, um, I, I thought that would be uh, fun to, to kind of talk about because, uh, you know, Memorial Day is coming mm-hmm. and, the movies are beckoning for the, you know, for the summer and COVID uh, thankfully seems to be enough in the background that people can go out and, and enjoy the, the the cinema again. So, um, well, thanks for sharing that with me, Maggie. And, and thanks again for being, you know, a real great source of information uh, and a catalyst for change when it comes to the uh, durable power of attorney uh, in Oklahoma uh, on behalf of our listeners. Thanks for, thanks for all that you do. And, uh, and we really appreciate you. So I want to say, uh, that that's a wrap for today's episode, everyone. Uh, remember to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming platform. And listen, if you like what you're hearing, then give us a rating. Uh, it means a lot to us. We sure do appreciate it. And also send us your ideas for future topics that you'd like for us to cover. You can do that at legal at crowdunlevy.com. And what do you know? You might just hear that topic on a future episode. So until the next time, stay healthy out there, friends. And we look forward to the next time on Briefly Legal.